Jennifer Zapparelli. Weekday morning from 9 on 2FM. Big and bad. We have to go back in time because it's a lot of fun. Yes, this is where we go back in time every Wednesday around this time. And basically, we take a random year and remind ourselves of the big showbiz, sport and news stories that emerge during those 12 months. But now I'm joined by the great man himself. I'm back. Who said that? Was it more Ozzy Osbourne who said, I'm back. I'm back. Yes, that's a it? very good Ozzy impression, but we uh, are going. Jen, come, on, come over here, Jen. He's the, the Naughties, I think. Is he the Naughties, um, Ozzy Osbourne? Ozzy. Yeah, what is he? What year was how, the. How, well, I know he's kind of. The Osbournes, the Osbournes. Uh, on telly. I'd say it was the Naughties, yeah. I'm not yeah. 100% sure. We're not, Early Naughties, yeah. Well, today we're actually going back to 1996. Yeah, back Let's even do it. further, yeah. Uh, 1996, again, it revealed some stuff to me that I just couldn't remember, could believe I'd forgotten about. First off is the Millennium Clock. Do you remember the Millennium Clock that was in the Liffey? It was a clock, a six-ton digital clock that was designed and put in the Liffey just beside O'Connell Bridge. And the idea of this, it was a digital thing. So it was like an, like an old digital watch like mine under, under the water. The idea was that it would count down the 120 million seconds to the end of the century. Oh, lovely. There was 120 million seconds left. Cost 250 grand to make. But just to put into context for you um, and the enthusiasm around the whole thing, here's here's the main dude from the National Lottery uh, who sponsored the project and some choice views uh, on it from some locals as well. It's a choice between spending money advertising in the press or television. And we feel that doing something like this is giving something back to the city. That seems like a strange way to spend the money when they're supposed to be spending it on kind of things that need money. They have the target of the car, the flues into the queues, now we have the time in the slime. Roll on Dublin. Roll on Dublin. The time in the slime, I think it was uh, referred to at that point. Um, it's great, but things started to go wrong fairly quickly, oh, no. sadly. Oh. Um, the countdown display would sometimes just be wrong. It would stop and start and stop but like a wrong that watch. The charm? Isn't that the charm well, of it? I don't know. The idea was for it to be accurate and count down to the millennium. That was what was there. Like, was it really going to last four years? Well, we're two hundred fifty grand. I'd say in the Liffey. I mean, it didn't. Uh, it had lots of technical problems, and okay. then mud got all over it, so nobody could see a it. A clock it in algae. the water with in a slimy, uh, a slimy river, river. Uh, had and problems. And all stuff. The slime started growing all it's over weird. it as well, but it didn't even see out. 1996 it was meant to be there for four years um in december uh, it was gone after being damaged beyond repair do you have a clip and of your man from the lotto after he spent the 250 grand no it didn't i couldn't work. F- I, I couldn't find that do you know what happened to it in the end it was broken up and sold for scrap the time in the slime you probably got well you probably broken got his 250 grand back no i wouldn't think so um, i wouldn't think so i don't know how much scrap is these I, I, if anyone knows how much a ton of scrap is uh scrap metal please do let us know, know. someone's gonna know all right yeah. um big news story yeah, a very, very um, tragic event happened in 1996. Um, you might remember Veronica Guerin was a reporter on organised crime for the Sunday Independent. And on the 26th of June, she was fatally shot while stopped at a traffic lights at Newlands Cross in Dublin when two men on a motorbike pulled up beside her and fired six shots into her car. Now, Veronica Guerin started out as a fearless journalist who wanted, she wanted first-hand information as a journalist. She wanted to go to the, 
the, the criminals themselves and talked to them about what was going on, often to the detriment of her own personal safety. Uh, when she began investigating major drug dealers, for instance, and other known criminals at the time, she received like loads of death threats, one of which involved two shots being fired at her own house. And this is um, what Veronica said a year before she died, uh, when she was asked if she considered giving up her job of crime reporting after another incident where she answered her front door to a man pointing a gun at her head and then shot her in the leg. Have a listen to this. I went through a whole series of emotions. I mean, I did consider getting out of it and then I just realised that that would probably be more of a strain than staying in it. And it's my job. It's what I do and somebody has to do it. Wow. Extraordinary stuff, um, heroic stuff, but uh, uh, brutally murdered the following year after that interview and the country was absolutely shocked. Devastated, and I stunned never And that. devastated by the whole situation. The investigation into Ver- Veronica's death resulted in over 150 um, arrests and convictions as well as seizures of drugs and arms. Um, drug crime in, the, in Ireland actually dropped by 15% in the following 12 months after her death. Uh, of course, she was immortalised in two movies and um, there's a the terrible irony to this too as well, Jen, because she was due to talk at a conference in London two days after she was killed and the topic of her segment, segment was actually called Dying to Tell the Story, Journalists at Risk. And that's, that's what Very, happened. very sad and even to this day, mm. thoughts and prayers to her yeah, family. Yeah, um, yeah. It still resonates today. Absolutely. Especially with what's going on in the climate um, in Ireland. You know, have things, you know, are things even worse than, 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 than they were back then in terms of crime? That's a, for another another day's work. Yeah. Uh, 1996, uh, the internet takes off. I know, it seems kind of mad. There was like a hullabaloo because uh, in 1996, the internet reached a whopping 10 million users worldwide across the world 10 million people were using this thing called the internet eBay the website was launched as well as a hobby by a chap called Pierre in California now they have 10,000 people working there eBay now um, which started out uh, as an online auction site and do you know what the first thing that was ever sold have a guess what the first thing that ever sold on eBay was yeah have a go Uh, 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 You're not going to get it. No. It was when you might. It was a broken printer. A broken. A broken printer, and the guy who bought it was a guy who collected broken printers. I just liked them. So that was the first thing that was ever sold on eBay. What did he do with them? Um, He just put them in a glass case uh, because the guy who who launched eBay at the time rang your man says, "Do you know you're buying a broken printer?" And your man says. Yeah, that's no problem. I collect broken printers. It is for the weird and wonderful. It is for the weird and wonderful. Because you can, you know, on eBay. 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 Come on, eBay. eBay. You could buy a jar of farts on eBay. You could. You could. Do you remember that? You could buy a jar of farts. No. So, do you not remember that? No. No. On eBay, people were selling their... Celebrity farts uh, in a jar. Anyway, that's kind of near. near Me and Graham could never do that because we'd never be able to put the farts in the jar because the IBS. I'd love. No, well, jeez. Uh, Right, I, 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 I'm going to cut it short. Actually, I'd love to see you put a jar of your own fart on eBay and see how much it'd get. I don't think it'd do well. I'd say your man who I sent you I think my feet would do better. Well, you can't put them on the internet. That's a different site. That's a way. Anyway, look, there was a lot of naysayers around about the internet being a fad at the time. Uh, this is a great clip of Microsoft founder Bill Gates trying to explain the new digital world to US talk show host David Letterman, who wasn't really having it. <laughs> 
What about this internet thing? Do you, do you know anything about that? Sure. What, what the hell is that exactly? Well, it's, it's become a place where people are publishing information. Right. So you, everybody can have their own homepage. Companies are there, the latest information. It's wild what's going on. You can send electronic mail to people. It is the big new thing. I can remember a couple of months ago, there was like a big breakthrough announcement that on the internet, they were going to broadcast a, a baseball game. You could listen to a baseball game on your computer. And I just thought to myself, does radio ring a bell? <laughs> David, yeah, David yes. wasn't buying it. No. It's like when they weren't buying uh, bottled water on the Late Late Show and everybody laughed, Bally Gown, oh, yeah. bottled water, oh, that'll never take off. Yeah. Look at us now. I'm, try- I'm trying to think of things that um, took off. Uh, that we didn't think would take off. Everything. Um, um, Everything. Yeah, I suppose, yes. There's always naysayers, as we were talking about a little earlier on. Absolutely. Uh, That is crazy. Uh, But it's interesting, listen to Bill Gates talk about uh, the start of it and just break it down very logically and very clearly of what the internet is. It's amazing, though. Like, like how would we... I don't know how we would do anything that we do without it now. I just don't know how the world operated before it. It just seems extraordinary to me. Uh, Everything would collapse without it now. Uh, or would it? I, I feel it would. Yeah, I think it would. But uh, you know, that's well, not. We managed that, ain't, that ain't gonna happen. Let's talk about. Um, let's talk about showbiz. What's your pick of showbiz? This I'm sure, lots was happening, but yeah, of course, uh, as always, there's lots happening in showbiz all the time. But th- th- this three years after homosexuality was actually fully decriminalised in Ireland in 1993. 1993. Yeah, I, know, I know. I know. Every I know. time I hear that year. It is just, it's, it's, it's still, it's I, I know it's in the past and well in the past at this stage, but it's just that it took that long just seems rather depressing. But look, this is a positive story because Ireland gets its first on-screen gay kiss. And in Fair City, uh, well, nearly. And But look, in fairness, um, the characters Liam and Owen are about to kiss in a scene uh, and their lips are about to meet uh, when somebody walks into the room and disturbs them. But... Um, it doesn't really matter because I think it counts as the intentions are totally obvious and it was the most... Uh, of When there was 4,000 episodes um, celebrated at one point of Fair City and it was voted in one poll as the most... Uh, the, the number one uh, important moment of all 4,000 episodes up to that point. Um, of course it was a big deal. Um, this is 1996 we're talking about. But I want to play this. This is a clip of Peter Warnock who played one of the characters, Liam Casey, from the kissing scene being interviewed on Kenny Live when Pat Kenny had a TV show on a Saturday night. And uh, this, is a, this is a curious exchange. When an actor like you is asked to play a part like this, so what sort of uh, reservations do you have or do you see it as a challenge? You ask your mother first. But uh, no, I mean, I, I think what you did too. Did you? <coughs> Actually, I asked, I asked my grandfather, who's about, he's 88, and uh, he says, don't worry about it, just think of the check. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, look, it, it's 1996, so different times, and, you know, did you, ask, did you have to ask your mother and all that kind of stuff? But look, that was it. Um, it was the first uh, gay kiss. It, Nearly, it was, but like for all for all purposes we're talking about here, that's that's what happened there, and it was it was a fine moment. And if, if you should go back and watch it, actually, it's cool. Is it? Yeah, it okay. is. It's very good indeed. Uh, I might do, but then I'd have to watch uh, Fair City. What would you say was the sporting event of 1996, Cormac Battle? That well, um, this now is is a cross between kind of music and sport and vibes and our certain feelings towards our, our greatest uh, our greatest see I'm sorry I, can I take that out uh, our neighbour England um, so look it's 1996 
the Euros are on, they're being hosted in England. It's 30 years since they won the World Cup and they brought out a song that kind of um, annoyed and pleased people in equal measures. Remember this? It's coming home. It's coming home. No, it's not. No, no, it's not. Yeah. 1996. 1996. I was there. I was in London at the time. I was uh, uh, briefly in a flat in Earl's Court. It was a really hot summer. So England had the Euros on and London was, you know, there was a charged atmosphere in the whole place that they were going to win it and they had this song out and uh, it all came crashing down when Germany booted them out in the quarterfinal. Oh, oh sorry, the semi-final. They were out and in typical style of the time, um, 2,000 um, gentlemen... Um, gathered on Trafalgar Square that night and trashed the place. Yeah. it's uh, Absolutely trashed they, they the place. They don't uh, react well to losing. They didn't react well that night either at all. But like, you know, it wasn't like they were facing off against German mm. uh, fans or anything. They just, they just went the mad themselves. Um, it was bonkers. To, I just uh, saw a scary. clip of it yesterday. It is kind it of scary is very, stuff. very scary. But it was bound to go off. Have 100%. they learned their lesson? Absolutely not. No. no. They're still playing that tune. They're still playing the bleeding tune. But speaking of tunes, what was the big tune in 1996? Please don't tell me it's that. It wasn't, no. Um, I'm not going to play You're not going to give you the clip for this, and I didn't because I knew you'd play it if I did. Um, it was Ain Fuckalella by Richie Kavanagh, one of the biggest selling ch- singles in Irish chart history. It spent seven weeks at number one. But I did find it a little treat for you, Jen, because mm. I thought you in particular would love this um, extract from one of his other songs one of his d- the deeper cuts one of his the singles that he brought out after the success of Ain Fuckle Ella did you take it called, from the Two Johnnies playlist uh, no, it's definitely uh, in there uh, well, Richie Cavan is definitely in there they've got they, they, they like his earlier stuff okay. but uh, this is a, an excerpt from a track called A Ride on a Tractor which I think you will um, you'll like okay did you ever get your hold ever get your hold Never get your whole week's wages. No, never got me whole. Never got me whole. Never got me whole week's wages. Did you ever get a ride? Ever get a ride? Ever get a ride on the tractor? No, I never got a ride. Never got a ride. Never got a ride on the tractor. I'd like to apologise on behalf of Cormac Battle for bringing that um, uh, could be seen as offensive uh, clip or song I don't understand Did you ever get your whole whole week's wages? Did you ever get your whole week's wages Jen? Did you ever get your whole week's wages? That's my guy What's hard to understand that? Richie Cavan has robbed my guy Did you ever That's. um, Did you ever get a ride in a tractor? I did did, And I got my whole week's wages I've got the whole lot So uh, yeah That was one of the um, That was one of the songs that got away Did you ever get your whole Ever get your whole Get your whole week's wages. Clever. Ah, yeah. What see? a genius. Absolutely. I do like that. I do. I might too. stick it on the playlist. <laughs> Absolutely. Look, um, but uh, in all seriousness around the world, the, there was only one act who totally owned 1996. Why, Cormac, you're a legend for. Oh, I'm so happy about this. There we go. That was a big tune. We will play it in full because we want to. Yeah. Yeah, we have we did. to. Do you, do you know what was up there as well? I, was, I thought you'd probably prefer uh, Wannabe by um, Spice Girls. It was the Fugees, Killing Me Softly. 
That no. was a, that was very big at the time as well. But I thought one I'd be just be better vibes. A better better people pleaser, I would say. Yeah, how much more? Very much so. Yeah, and I'd yeah. slow the show down a bit. You slow know, the old phone. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> okay, uh, Cormac, thanks for that. Really interesting. It's funny. I every time you do this segment. It reminds me of stuff that I have buried deep in my brain and have tried to forget. Yeah. So thank you for uh, the bringing back the post-traumatic stress of uh, the years gone by. Of the millennium clock. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah, I know, yeah. I wonder where it is. Who's got it and how much do they pay for it? 51552. Listen, we have a little uh, comp, right? A little question. Just a little you, one for the If crack. you fancy a box of retro sweets containing classics with refreshers and wambars because it's a retro segment. Um... It's all from planetcandy.ie. There are new pals. I have a little question for you that Cormac uh, is... Well, Cormac has a question. I have uh, a question. Uh, what is the question? The question is, what football team knocked England out of the Euros in 1996? Simple as. Simple as. If you think you know the answer, just text Germany to 51552 <laughs> and we will give I'm the sweets away. I'm not doing this away. anymore. Of course you will. <laughs> Zapparelli. Weekday morning from 9 on 2FM.